1: Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Thank you for listening to Hail Yes, a Detroit Free Press podcast about University of Michigan Athletics. I'm Tony Garcia, Michigan beat writer for the Free Press, joined by my colleague, Reiner Saban. He's our Big Ten insider. Uh, That's even better than it normally is, given this is the rivalry week. Michigan versus Michigan State uh, set to battle in East Lansing for the first time uh, as a night game Reiner, What do you think about that?
0: yeah i think uh, it is a uh, poor timing for n b c to uh get the bad luck of the draw in this situation because uh, the you know michigan is uh twenty four point favorites uh, against uh, michigan state and so not many people are expecting a competitive matchup and so that means for not not great uh uh t v uh experience for for n b c but uh it is what it is and uh you know, it would have been better uh, or pres- it was assumed to be better Go after last year. A lot of people thought that, you know, this matchup would have been very intriguing based off the incident that happened last year.
1: That, well, that's right. Uh, the, the buzz certainly was there last year. Um, the teams were uh, lopsided in, in, in terms of talent and where they were. Like people weren't really expecting a close game last year. Um, in some ways, Michigan State keeping it 29 to 7 was really closer. Uh, than than the game was in a lot of ways and some uh picked it to be it wasn't did the spread close at like 22 and a half last year I think like people like people are talking like this is this big historic spread I'm pretty sure it was it was it was right around that the, the, the same number last year um uh but 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 to your point and and, and the greater point about uh just the Nbc getting in <laughs> this first night game i I guess the first night game in East Lansing, uh, the first time in the in the new uh, TV package and everything, uh, there is just less juice than than other years, and that's surprising, especially like you said, given the way uh, last year ended. So we'll talk about that. Um, why we think that is just the teams headed in in a couple opposite directions, and really, have we? and we looped back all the way back, um, made it full circle to, uh, to those 1990 seasons, which is sort of the path that feels like Michigan state is on, right? That, that, uh, that national championship trajectory.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, again, it, it starts with, uh, you know, the the kind of the context with the, with the tunnel fight that happened at the end of last year. A lot of people thought that was uh, the ugliest chapter in the rivalry yet. And uh, many were predicting that this year, would be influenced by that, or this year's matchup would be influenced by that. But uh, the rhetoric coming out of both sides has been pretty muted. Uh, nobody's really talking about the tunnel. And the fan base, at least as far as MSU, that you know seemed like they wanted rep- retribution at one point right after the incident, after the uh, suspensions of eight Michigan State players, uh, criminal charges that were filed. Uh, you know, all the uh, back and forth that happened, uh, both sides seemed to be aggrieved coming out of that game, uh, the 29-7 Michigan win in, uh, in October of 2022. And so ever since then, uh, the uh, it's just slowly, as the two teams have become separated uh, in the standings and one's gone north and the other one's gone south, Uh, all that fury has died down.
1: Yeah. And as happens in life, I think a little, at least a little bit of it. I mean, probably the majority is just how far apart these teams are. Right. Um, That that probably is the vast, vast majority of it. Um, But time sort of heals all. At least that's what Jim Harbaugh claims. Right. I mean, the first question he was asked on Monday was about how to keep the rivalry in check and not let things from last year, uh, just sort of boil into this year, right? And, I mean, he, he tapped that dance all around it. He never even addressed uh, anything about about, about the, the tunnel, the incident. He just said, yeah, you know, we always make schematic changes week to week. Uh, it's a big game. I, I mean, he, like, <laughs> we'll write notes about just to make sure as, as he's going – and one of the notes I wrote, and and I heard someone else actually write, was how he just did not answer the question. So, like, don't reference back to this because he did not answer the question that was asked. Which is why I tried to double double down and ask him uh, just about like what, like, why are you not thinking about him more, talking about him more? And I guess he, what he said is, it feels like a long time ago. Just, and I don't know if it's because Michigan has tried to win a national championship lost and us reascended since then if it's because Michigan State's coach who was who he said did not contact him right like Mel Tucker and Jim Harbaugh were said to never have really had a lot of contact after I don't know about it like he said there was no apology sort, sort of thing um, that coach is no longer there Mel Tucker is gone Michigan State has lost four in a row um, and so it's just if you remember the fury with which Jim Harbaugh took that stage or that podium after the game last year. Right. And then the press conference the next day. uh, It's just, it's just amazing. Um, Not like I'm applauding. Like I'm not like so amazed that someone could do it. It's just, it's just really shocking how far the pendulum has swung from peak emotion to just, we remember, but that's not what we're thinking about.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, and Harbaugh was a big actor in that whole thing. I mean, you know, some of the stuff he said, you know, fans, some of the flames and, um, you know, obviously, you know, calling for, um, you know, possibly, you know, the, uh, authorities to look into the incident and, and such, and, you know, the kind of the swift justice idea and, and such. And it was, uh, It was not a pleasant episode for anybody. And a lot of people were calling for maybe a pause in the rivalry. And organically, that's kind of what we're getting because, you know, MSU has kind of done its part to cool the, you know, cool the fervor, so to speak, because they just haven't done well. I mean, MSU's fans have uh, by and large checked out this season. I mean, they're pretty despondent about the state of the program you know which is understandable given what has happened and uh they're not really looking in you know going into this game as uh with, with any optimism uh or really any fire about you know getting some kind of revenge against Michigan and uh it was not something that <laughs> would have been the case coming right out of that game in, in 2022 uh last October so yeah i think it's uh, it's interesting how it just kind of naturally uh, cooled down, partially because of MSU's uh, uh, struggles and uh, Michigan being so much far above them, uh, you know, and and kind of continuing on its path and ascension uh, since their loss in twenty twenty two. I mean, in twenty twenty one to Michigan State, uh, you know, it's been nineteen straight Big Ten wins uh, msu has gone six and 13 uh against power five teams since that 2021 uh victory over michigan so it's been uh, it's been a totally different uh they've kind of gone to the opposite ends of the spectrum essentially and uh i think that's uh been actually good for the rivalry and and kind of keeping it uh in check uh you know this, this year especially
1: yeah, no, we talked about it. Uh, Twenty-two straight regular season wins since that day, um, and it was funny. We were talking to Blake Coram about it on Monday, and it's just there's a number of things that it, that's different about the, about that game, right? Because uh, it's actually the only game that Michigan will bus to, uh, right? They will, they will, they will, they will, they will drive up there, they'll bus up, bus back instead of chartering. And someone asked him about just getting in the zone, right? The, the difference, I mean. Players are very regimented and it is it's got it it's very different. Like get it I mean, do you I don't know what they do if they get dressed in Ann Arbor and then I mean probably not and then like drive up there like you probably yeah, I mean I'm sure like okay, not not to that level, right? But wait, yeah, well, they're, they're, they're
0: not getting on the It's school. not high school, it's not, not, school. not it's not yeah, high school. They're yeah, not they're
1: you're getting, getting the, dressed they're in the, your own no. locker room. But no. what I mean is, and I guess it's okay, it's a night game as well. But what I'm saying is for say it's a noon game, right? And and, yeah. and that's not the case this year, but a noon game that you're bussing up there for although they, they then they stay at the Marriott the night before. So I guess we've sort of worked that out. Um it was well done. But the point is it is different, right? And Blake Horam was saying that he uh he, he doesn't even remember like the, the mentality of getting up there and, and bussing down, but what he does remember is after that loss, uh just how silent the bus ride was. Uh, coming, ba- uh, coming back. He said he went straight to the lot to the to the gym at Schenckler and worked out, um, and that really feels very telling about how serious Michigan took that, and just, I mean, where the, where the program could have gone from such a deflating moment to. Where, where it has since then, it, it can't be overstated, right? Because any uh, every every single other season, the winner of the Michigan Michigan State uh game every other year since 2000, I believe, at least has, has finished with a better record and has had the upper hand, right? Like you're the one, especially and in the Big Ten, in the Big Ten championship game era, the Legends and Leaders all the way back to and in the, in the divisional era, the winner of that game uh, has, has finished ahead. Right? Yet Michigan did not implode in 2021, flipped the script and proved it that first season. And since that day has, has, has just ridden the momentum. And I think it was important because you wrote about uh, now looking back on that day right, uh, in, in, in 2021 and how what, what an anomaly that day really was. Well, not, 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 the, not the result, but the, how the result happened. Yeah, yeah,
0: right. I mean, they they had a 16 point lead with 21 minutes left and, blo- and blew it, um, which is not common for a team now that dominates the second half. I mean, the uh, uh, I think Michigan South scored opponents in the second half this season 131 to 17, um, you know, 93 to nothing in the third quarter. Uh, you know, they committed eight penalties in that game. Uh, Michigan now commits like, roughly a little bit more than two, which leads the nation. <laughs> uh, like
1: that's, a, that's a month's worth of penalties. Uh, yeah,
0: they committed. Yeah, essentially, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they committed and they committed uh, to, to you know back-breaking turnovers in the you know the final you know minutes, which you know helped MSU overtake them and then killed off the Michigan comeback. Now they now they have a very plus seven turnover margin, which is. Uh, ranks, I think, ninth in the country. I mean, it's uh, it's a much different team. They execute far better. If you remember in that game, Michigan didn't handle tempo very well from a defensive standpoint. They also gave up 37 points in that game. You know, Michigan now has a really good scoring defense, and they don't really make those kind of same mistakes. I think the defense, as, it, as it's progressed in year three, they now have answers to everything Chris Partridge talked about that this year, I mean, they don't they don't get flummoxed by uh, you know, teams no matter what they do, no matter what mode they're going. I mean, Michigan has played tempo teams this year. They played them you know, East Carolina was one of them. I mean, you didn't see them getting, you know, caught off sides or doing any of the stuff that they were doing on that day against Michigan State in 2021. And again, just they they have perfected their systems in the time since. MSU, in contrast, has repeatedly shot itself in the foot, done, you know, stupid things, uh, you know, blown leads, uh, committed all sorts of turnovers, has had a very leaky defense. They gave up 713 yards to Washington earlier this season. Um, you know, it's it's been a kind of... Uh, steady fall for them in that time since. And Michigan uh again has gone the complete opposite direction during that time, has gotten better and stronger in pretty much every area uh since that game.
1: Well just look at the coaching staffs, right? And the and this the stability of, of of them. And uh and you're talking about uh, what Chris Partridge said, right? And just how fundamental, how sound and how crisp everything is. It's not just the defensive unit, right? Like that that was the unit that had the problems that day in East Lansing when they 12 men on the field and, right, and just getting caught
0: yeah, off. So that, the, so like, yeah, right.
1: With, with, with tempo, certainly. But um, it's just their understanding, like Sharon Moore was talking about it today, right? Uh, Michigan gave up three sacks in the first eight plays against Indiana. Uh, which I mean is very striking one of them I don't know if that's gonna stay as a stack JJ was was really scrambling and he was kind of tripped up but two sacks in the first two drives, let's call it right and they had given up the fewest sacks through in the in the country through six games um, and Sharon Moore was like yeah you know Indiana had I mean they'd come off a bye week uh, they they'd got reverted to a few things they caught us off guard but as soon as we locked onto it and figured it out it was picked up nothing happened again right? And, and, and I think that's sort of to your point that even and, and that's why they're not committing penalties. It's why they're not shooting them, themselves in the foot, even when they are caught off guard. Like that's what can beat a team, right? When a team when you just can't like you just can't make that adjustment. Michigan is not only better and usually well prepared. Should you have the upper hand and exploit them how you could how Michigan State did two years ago? That's not happening anymore. That cannot happen. Uh, They're they're too senior. They're too veteran-led. They have too much talent and too much knowledge in too many places.
0: True. And MSU, in contrast, I think lost uh, sight of what they should have done, I guess, after that win. Uh, They didn't really seize the moment. I talked to our producer, Andrew Burkle, about that. Um, And I think that Ohio State loss was really huge for MSU in 2021. Uh, I think it made Mel Tucker obsessed with trying to beef up the pass rush and in turn they kind of neglected the run defense which was not a good idea against Michigan and so I think they figured that oh well we beat Michigan you know now our real enemy is Ohio State and then it turns out that you know again Michigan uh, beat Ohio State right after Ohio State blasted MSU in that 2021 season and yet you know, Mel Tucker, because he felt like, well, you know, we, uh, you know, we beat Michigan that year. We can, you know, the real enemy is Ohio state because of just how, you know, uh, strong their passing attack was. And so, uh, you know, they, they really committed again towards the pass rush thing. And, And then now this year they've kind of focused more on trying to stop the run because that's, Michigan's proven to be the top team in the conference, and so all teams are kind of accounting for Michigan's strengths now, and so they lost a year, I think in some of their strategy because Mel Tucker made the wrong guess on which team was really the strongest team in the big ten he he thought it was Ohio State, but in reality it's Michigan
1: well, it certainly is um or it certainly appears to be right uh at least over the last couple of years um but I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, you would know, you would know better than me, certainly. Uh, so I guess I just, I had never thought about it that way or seen it that way. And, and being in the business of defending Mel Tucker is not the certainly not the business anybody wants to be in. But I just wonder if at the time, I mean, Ohio State has the more common nationally successful blueprint, right? It's more a la sec teams and 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 that type of thing whereas the way michigan is having success uh jim harbaugh's method is very fly in your face of what ohio state has done and 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 Bama and georgia like i mean there are certain things i mean having lots of talent and winning in the trenches but i'm talking about big skill receivers right and like flying around on the outside that's that that's different um and and michigan state at that time now you see now, it appears to be very have been very smoke and mirrors. But Michigan State was 11 and 0, 11 and 1, um, until that, uh, 11, 11, yeah, 11. 11 and 2, not oh, 11, yeah, and, 0, yeah, 11 right. and 11 and 2. Um, but I meant they were 10 10 and 1, and 1 at one point. Oh. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. and so, and so at that time. It's, it's also transfer portal era. He, I mean, it's all glitz and glamor. He's signing the new contract. They, I mean, they think they're on the rise, but I, I mean, I think you're right. They guessed wrong. Yeah. Right? I well, think so. but, I mean, but is it the wrong guy? I mean, everything went wrong. It's not, I don't know if it was just the one thing, right? Cause they bring in Brandon Jordan. I don't know. You explain it. You explain
0: yeah, it. everything. I just, I just feel, I feel like, you know, they, they saw that the, you know, they weren't going to be able to get pressure on CJ Sprout in that game. And, you know, and they saw them, you know, the receivers running free, and they felt like uh, Ohio State probably presented maybe more difficulty to them than than the, than Michigan, which you would assume based off of the two results. I mean, that's really was the case. I mean, fifty-six to seven loss against Ohio State, thirty-seven to thirty-three victory over Michigan.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, and they they thought maybe Michigan didn't have the staying power. Uh, that this this was going to be a one time deal with them, and it ended up being that Michigan, you know, beat Ohio State right after. Again, Ohio State crushed Michigan State that year in 2021. Then did it again last year uh, during a year when they really tried to improve the pass rush, but I think they neglected the run defense. Which again, if you watch the 29 to seven, uh, you know, loss by Michigan State to Michigan last year, I mean, it was – they couldn't stop the run. That was part of the reason. Uh, Michigan was just able to kind of grind them into the dust.
1: and Well, they grinded everybody into the dust last year. Yeah. But, isn't, and, but here, here's, here might be the last point before we, before we go on to our final point. Whether Michigan State was trying maybe, – maybe like – I'm not saying maybe. like You could very well be right that Michigan State made the wrong play trying to chase Ohio State. Whether they were trying to chase Michigan, I think the argument is or the point could be made, both of those teams are, are, are just in wildly different stratospheres. You know what I mean? So, so what difference would, you, would it have made? Had
0: because, you, because one's more translatable, I think, to the Big Ten. Like trying to yeah. – I mean, a lot of teams are a lot more able to stop. I mean, stopping the run is probably the number one thing you have to do in the Big Ten. I mean, so I guess Ohio State is, a, is is an outlier, and they're also a byproduct of their huge talent advantage. I mean, their whole recruiting advantage. I mean, they have a huge recruiting advantage even over Michigan. Uh, but the thing is, is that Michigan style is, uh, is tough to play against if you're just getting whipped at the line of scrimmage, which happens to be the case for a lot of the Big Ten teams. The last 19 that really have faced Michigan have been whipped. Generally at the line of scrimmage, and so Ohio State is among those teams that got whipped.
1: You know? Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. I I. It's hard to advocate more for building through the trenches. Like I would love that to be like my presidential slogan, just because it's just so important. Um. So so I'm with you. Uh, which I guess brings us almost full circle to that question when we talk about where Michigan state is and where Michigan is right now. Um, Is it, is it back to the late nineties? And do you, and do you think it, is it now or will it be, is that the direction we're heading in?
0: I mean, it feels like it. I mean uh, with this, with the fact that uh, again, in the late nineties, I mean, Michigan kind of, was the dominant program. I mean, Nick Saban was fighting against that at MSU. uh, And, you know, there was a possibility that in 1999, that there was going to be a turning point. Didn't really happen because Saban left for LSU. And then you had the Bobby Williams era and that kind of just reinforced, you know, that the, the dominance over Michigan, it wasn't until D'Antonio came in that uh, changed the tenor of the entire rivalry. Uh, but now it seems like we're kind of getting back to that point because, I mean, Michigan is leap, leaps and bounds better than Michigan State right now. Uh, they've got all the buzz and the attention. Nobody's talking about MSU, everybody's talking about Michigan uh, as a national title contender. Uh, you know, they've attracted interest from recruits nationally. Um, it, it's left MSU in a very vulnerable position. Uh, as it relates to the rivalry, I mean, who knows what direction they're going to go? Um, you know, obviously, the next coaching decision is going to be huge for them. Uh, can they get another Dantonio? Are they going to get another Bobby Williams or John L. Smith? I mean, it's like, uh, and the decision is going to ultimately influence like whether they're going to be able to compete with Michigan. Now, Michigan, we don't know what their future holds because obviously their schedule schedule and yes Jim Harbaugh being the big question is he going to stay or is he going to go you know go job hunting in the NFL again we don't know but uh if it stays the course the way it is Harbaugh has has got the program to the point that it can it can sustain itself uh whereas again MSU is basically starting with a blank slate uh, presumably next year and all bets are off about What their what their futures looks like.
1: This next little window, right? Like this, obviously this week, but like this year, next year. I mean, certainly this foreseeable future seems to have everything pointed. The arrow is as pointed Michigan as it has been, or really could be. However, think. I mean, think about just two years ago. Two years ago on this day, what we were saying about Michigan and Ohio State, right? I mean, it had been, it had been a decade since Michigan had done it. And uh, sometimes you just got to do it for things to flip. Now the I mean, there's, I don't, I think you can make the argument Michigan state's probably never had a more important hire uh, given the timing of it as well. Right. With the big 10 expansion and it just feels like everything is becoming have and have not. Um, and maybe, if you are a Michigan state or a Maryland or an Indiana, these teams in the East that have been waiting to not have to play Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state every single year. Right. Um, You sort of saw it as maybe an opening for like, I mean, now Michigan and Michigan state is a protected rivalry, so they will see them every year, but you only got to see Ohio state two out of five years. That sounds pretty good. If you're any, anyone, right. Like uh, it just, you, you like your chances more. And so it's it's I I think right now it it feels pretty it, it feels pretty 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 nineties but but how how fast it I'm not predicting it to turn but it it I can't, it, no, it can it, turn it, fast it can it, turn it, fast when when you don't expect it
0: it can turn quickly but I mean again Michigan State's because of their recruiting footprint needs it not to get too one sided obviously because they need to recruit michigan real hard i mean michigan can get away with recruiting a little bit more nationally just because of their brand power in michigan and whatever the historic relevance you can but for msu it's very important to at least you know present the idea that you're on you're close to even footing with michigan because it's really essential for their recruiting that they that they're able to get some of those guys here in michigan that may it may have the choice between the two programs
1: they got to go back to Ohio too. I mean, I think Steve Klinkscale, uh, yeah. If you could put if you could put your finger on one person who has just flipped everything, like from Ohio, like from Ohio State to Michigan and Michigan State, all three. Steve Klinkscale. You know what I mean? I mean, Michigan kind of gave up, or was not making the same inroads in Ohio in the same way he he has dedicated himself to. So do you know? N- you don't. No, I agree. No, I. I mean. Look, I think-
0: yeah, click scale, yeah, I mean, has been very helpful, obviously, for their Ohio recruiting connection. And like,
1: it's like, it's a triple action, right? It's like like when like Michigan calls the Big Ten wins two, like when you beat a Big Ten team, right? Like you win one and they lose one. It's like, well, that's actually just how it works. But it's like, that's why those head-to-head recruiting flips, like like a Sean Benny, when you were asking him the other day, you know, it's just all those head-to-heads.
0: Yeah. And so, I, I mean, when you're, again, you're falling behind uh, on the field, that sometimes translates into recruiting. And it's, again, it's particularly essential for MSU because they recruit more regionally and, you know, they can't necessarily rely. I don't know if they want to rely on some of these guys that are, uh, you know, far off either. I mean, you know, we're, uh, especially in the age of the transfer portal, I don't know if any program should want to do that. I mean, Again, even in Michigan even Michigan, uh, I think it's dangerous to recruit guys from California and some of those uh warmer weather states because like the first sign of adversity that they face where they're not getting playing time, now with the transfer portal and the one-time free transfer, you can just go right back to the you know where where you came from, uh, a lot easier than you would uh <laughs> prior to the advent of that legislation. So I think uh Especially for northern programs, but you know, particularly for MSU, I, I, they need to recruit very much regionally, and that's why winning this game for them is really important. And trying to get this series back to uh, even footing is is essential for their future.
1: Right. Right. Well, I guess it's the series is on is on relatively even footing, but where it is in this series right now, um, it's yeah. Not, I,
0: mean, I mean, yeah, the it, last. It's- Fifteen uh, in the context of the last fifteen years, it is yes. But right now, it doesn't feel like it.
1: it but it, it couldn't feel less like that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's three and two Michigan in the last five. Certainly, I guess let's see if we think it's going to be four and two Michigan. We'll take a break. We'll get back that way. We can bring Andrew and we'll get to the picks um, or see if Michigan State will pull off a another three touchdown upset uh, of, of Michigan. We'll be right back with Hell yes. All right. Like we promised, we are back with the picks. Uh, another four-pack for you this week, but first we got to bring in Andrew Burkle, check in on him, see how he's doing uh, so he can refresh us on how we all did last week. What's up, Andrew?
2: How's it going, fellas? Uh, should be a big week, but you know, you guys broke it down excellently there uh, as far as what
1: all the going ons and whatnot here for Michigan, Michigan State. So, Sometimes. I yes, I was raising my hand, Andrew. Do you have anything to add to about about where we left things on the other side of the break? I know this is poor podcasting, but I mean, <laughs> I it's, it's always me hard like, to bring Hi. you in. No, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't calling you out. Just, I know you get you. You're very plugged in as well. What do, What do you think about just quick, just quickly as we lead into this Michigan Michigan State uh, topic and and the pick today? What What are your thoughts? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like you, it,
2: you guys hit the nail on the head, with, in my opinion, where it's just like, I guess the, the crazy part was about that 2021, uh, the 2021 victory for Michigan State was uh, it felt so much bigger than one game because it felt like, okay, Michigan State lost the legendary coach. They lost Mark D'Antonio, who really flipped the rivalry on its head. And then after he leaves, 2020 was basically a wash uh, in Michigan State did win, but it was based in that game. Didn't you know it was kind of like whatever? Don't want to put too much weight into it. And then 2021, when everything is on the line, Michigan State wins another one. And then you're like, okay, obviously this is the direction it's going to continue to to trend. It's impossible to recount all the different mistakes Michigan State has made since then. But to me, the, the as you you guys excellently pointed out, the most interesting element of that was how it affected Michigan as well, because at the time. It, it felt like another nail in, in the coffin of the Jim Harbaugh era of him not being able to win the big game. And ever since then, they, ha- they basically haven't lost besides the college football. No, they literally haven't lost since- besides the college <laughs> football playoff. Uh, so uh, I, there's just, it's impossible, though, like I said, to, to add up all the different ways it's gone wrong for Michigan State. And I think to look at this team and say that they're a 2-4 and four quality team uh, through those first six games is not accurate as well. The Washington game, I mean, you want to talk about a game you got to throw out the window. Your coach gets fired midweek, uh, and so that that was not an accurate representation of who this Michigan State team is. Maryland, final score, that game was a lot closer than the final score ended up being. So on the field, um, I think that this Michigan State team is actually a, a lot better than the team last year uh, in some ways, wow. especially on the defensive end. On the defensive end, I think it's definitely better. I mean, they were completely helpless last year on defense, and throughout the Washington game, like I mentioned, they've actually shown some signs that they can they can uh, slow teams down. They got Noah Kim out of there, and they've improved. I think uh, they looked better against Rutgers, but their this two and four record I don't think is an entirely accurate representation to uh, to Michigan State. But I'll get to more on my pick in a minute here about why no, I don't. Dude, think lead, you up-
1: lead, lead us, lead us. It sounds like you're picking State.
2: I mean, no, I'm not. straight. I'm straight. not. Pick. But yeah, I was going to say the reason I'm not picking Michigan State is because I'm rolling with uh, the Miami theory that I, that I uh, said last week. Miami and North Carolina played last week after Miami lost the absolute most crippling game they could to Georgia Tech. It, their souls were ripped out of their bodies in a lot of ways in that game. Having that game, having the undefeated season still going. Well, it wasn't as much on the line for Michigan State, but having a win and looking really sharp on the road against Rutgers, a team who actually played Michigan pretty tough, they were, I would have been feeling decent about Michigan State coming into this week. The fans would have been feeling decent. They would have had some confidence going. Instead, it's completely different. And I, I actually do believe momentum has a pretty big factor in college football, maybe more so than any other sport, week to week, where you have to look at those games kind of compiling and leading into each other. And, you know, like I said, there's some talent on this Michigan State team. They have some some decent guys, and they've actually uh, been much better, especially at stopping the run this year. I mean, you talk about a team who literally could not stop the run if, if they, their life's dependent on last year. Well, that's not necessarily the case this year, but I think Michigan's going to end up uh, covering the spread pretty easily because as soon as one thing goes wrong, and anyone who's been to Spartan Stadium can attest this, that's kind of like a tense crowd when things aren't going well. Uh, you can feel the air go out of the stadium very easily, uh, when something goes wrong, especially for a team like this, everyone's going to be like, oh, I knew it. I knew I shouldn't have come to the game. 45 degrees and rainy. I shouldn't have even come to this game. And you could just see it turning very quickly as soon as there's an interception or or a drive down the field that completely sucks the life out of Michigan State. So uh, I am leaning with the Wolverines in this one to cover that spread. Okay. Well, there we have it. I'm
1: g- I'm glad that we, we led with you, although we did not get to rehash last week. I now realized uh, all <laughs> Sorry, that everyone I know. Know.
2: you're like, Hey, just please give us yeah, a no, the
1: one a time. I, the first, first winning week. And and we, and we just, and, and we just dive right into it. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm just saying that just so people know, we're a little hot right now. We were three Oh and one last week. Uh, so feel, feel like we got a decent read on the board. Um, and with that, good news for you, Andrew, I'm also picking Michigan uh, to cover. It just freshman quarterback for Michigan State. He made a he he did. I think uh, katen Hauser did look to do a pretty good job on the road in some tough conditions against Rutgers last week. But I think he threw 29 times and had 133 total yards. I mean that's just dink and dunk. You're you're not gonna you're not going to move the ball with any uh, consistency on Michigan. Um, I think all of their first team defensive touchdowns they've allowed. Have been thirty yards plus, forty yards plus. I mean, like you got to hit him. You got to hit him with a double pass, or you got to hope Mike Sanders still falls down and breaks his cleat, or or something like that. That's how teams score. Um, and and uh, and I mean, Michigan. Michigan's been waiting for this day. Uh, they, they they really have. No matter no matter what they what they say, it, that that it's not about last year or not or not not about twenty twenty one. Michigan State. I mean, both teams like to beat up on the other one when the other one is down. Well, Michigan State is down, and so this is Michigan's chance. Uh, so I think Michigan uh, covers.
2: Real quick, Tony. It sounds like you're calling for the uh, the Jay Johnson uh, flea flicker.
1: The flea flicker. Flea, oh, oh, it's Oh, it's gonna. It's gonna get picked. It's gonna get picked, it's gonna get picked it's, off so it's quick. Co- well, um, you know what's getting called. You know what's getting called. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 Michigan's not even gonna like like have anyone even go at Nate Carter, right? Like it's literally <laughs> just gonna look like it was a pass rush the entire time. <laughs> yeah, um, and so and 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 this is not to discount. Like I want to be very clear. This game means so much in East Lansing, and like Darian Harris, uh, like a real like one one of their coaches in a long time Spartan. Like I saw him tweeting about just like Michigan State people and fans like to not be front runners and uh just because this is this is good there's a very good chance this could get really ugly um and so mark D'Antonio's back in the building reiner like can michigan state i'm not saying can michigan state win like I, i i've ruled that out entirely can they keep it close for a half
0: yeah, I mean, again, as a matter of principle, I mean, when you're a 24 point underdog at home, I mean, in a rivalry game, I don't know. I just I'm going to go with Michigan State here. I think that they, you know, could keep it within that margin at least, um, you know, and uh, you know, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that again, like as Andrew alluded to, I mean, they're they're dreadful, dreadful across every uh, sector, and they're incompetent. Completely. I mean, they've done some good things against each of the last two teams they played. Iowa and Rutgers held leads well and in, well into the late stages of the game, and then just blew it. And so, um, you know, I, I think that they've got some pieces there, especially in the receiver core. Uh, some young players: Deron Glover, Tyrell uh, Henry. I mean, uh, they've got um, Nate Carter, who's been a been a strong running back for them. Uh, not quite anywhere close to Kenneth Walker, but but better than the Burger Broussard combo last year. And so uh and then I think again the defense has been has been better. I don't think they're great by any means, but um, you know, they've got some some guys up front that can create issues. Uh and uh Angelo Gross has been somewhat effective on the back end at times. Uh, he's, he's not exactly a ball hawk, but he's got a couple of interceptions. Uh I don't think he's, uh, uh, reliable necessarily on a down to down basis, but, uh, they've got some, they've got some decent pieces across the board and they've got a field goal kicker, uh, who's actually been an asset for them with Jonathan Kim. Now the rest of the other, the rest of the special teams have been pretty atrocious at times. So, um,
1: so, but I guess, give me like, so yeah. a sc- like what's the score though? Like. I mean, I like, think, like thirty-one, not like 31-10, thirty-one, ten. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, that's a, yeah, something similar to last year. I mean, like again, you have to factor in that the M- Michigan only beat them by twenty-two points last year, and that was at home. This is this is at Michigan State, uh, so I think MSU should be able to at least come out and and keep it within twenty-four points. Uh, and again,
1: but Michigan know, is so much. Michigan's so much better in the red zone this year than last year, right? Like, think about the, Michigan That's State; made them, they That's they made true. them settle for what four or five field goals. And how did Michigan State move the ball last year? Jump ball to Keon Coleman. He's not there.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't disagree, but I mean, like uh, those those points are very valid. At the same token, I think that there's some some other ways that they can obviously move the ball. Yep. Uh, you know, besides just throwing it up to Keon Coleman. I mean, uh, you, you would hope that Jay Johnson, uh, <laughs> you know, can come up with a different plan of attack there. I mean, again, they don't – I mean, Keaton Hauser is, you know, kind of a four-star passer. I mean, you know, that they, they've got players that were decent recruits and players that have developed into decent options for them. So, uh, I mean, they're, they're not like – the. <laughs> this, it's true. this uh, is not a
1: for, for me this is not a michigan it's not a michigan state commentary it's a michigan commentary right, right. i mean i mean look what michigan state looks like again look what michigan looks like against nebraska and minnesota and Mich minnesota nebraska rutgers michigan state all those teams are the same are in that same range right like not great teams you do something like i like mean certainly not good nationally but like frisky, right? Like, you can do a couple things. That doesn't hang against Michigan. We've seen what that looks like against Michigan. And I don't know if... And normally, rivalry you give... I mean, especially for Michigan State, like, people who've never been around East Lansing clearly don't understand what this game means in East Lansing. I think what? this year is different. I mean, they have been... I mean, how many times can you get up off the map? You know what I mean?
0: Well, but it, it, you can get off, up... Get off up the... For this one. Get up off of that, yeah, for a, for a game yeah. against Michigan. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, again, this is a different different game altogether. And so I think, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I would hope that Michigan State was not going to just lay down uh, against them. I mean, I don't think that would speak much to their character, nor I don't think that's even reflective of how they played. They've actually stayed, <laughs> in, the fight, stayed in the fight, you know, given all the bad juju that they've had with the Mel Tucker Suspension, then it's firing. Uh, you know, having to deal with a quarterback change. Uh, yeah, I think considering they, all the circumstances, they have they have done a pretty good job of at least staying competitive.
1: You got, yeah, no, you got to be impressed in, in in that in in that regard, right? Because they didn't bring this on themselves. It's the last point, and then we're gonna then we're gonna move on to the next game. Um, you're right, uh, of course, but again, it's not a Michigan State commentary michigan's at a different level
0: yeah i I just i just i just think they are you may very well be right but you know again as a matter of principle it's hard to pick against
1: uh 20 right and and you were and you were right about oklahoma texas with that with that rivalry you were you you were like i was and i mean you were right straight up but you were like definitely with the point so no there's and especially this many that many it's like three touchdowns all right andrew
2: yeah, m- moving on, I mean, we could we could talk about the, all the different elements of that game for, for weeks, and, you know, it's just – there's so many th- – I've been saying this all year, that there's so many things about Michigan State that make them interesting this year. So that's why – it's just like we there's so much to talk about. But moving yeah. on to another extremely fun game, uh, Ohio State hosting Penn State, four-and-a-half point favorites, massive, massive big ten implications on the line here uh, for Michigan as well. So, uh, guys, I guess we'll start with Tony. Who you got in this one?
1: yeah um this game is at noon fox big noon kickoff um before the Michigan Michigan State game this week it was funny uh Sharon Moore was asked if, if he if he's gonna be watching that game he's like, uh you know he's like Jim Harbaugh always said uh don't uh, like don't get your emotions in the game he's like he's like, so I won't be emotionally invested he said, but my eyeballs will be invested <laughs> and so hes he's gonna be watching um but uh yeah I mean the the the, the game. Of of uh of the college football week, what I am most interested in watching is Drew Aller against Ohio State's defense. How he deals with pressure, and if he's a uh, still able uh, to to protect the ball, and if he takes shots downfield uh, at, at all. Um, I have not looked again this week. I probably should have before this comment. But as of last week, Drew Aller was, I believe, the bottom. Uh, in in, in the nation in terms of yards per pass attempt. Um, He's incredibly effective uh, and he, and he has a run game to support him and a defense to support him. And he's very well insulated, but in a game of this magnitude, can he make the throw to win? Is he, is he going to do it? Good news. He doesn't even need to, because I'm getting four and a half points. So I don't know if he can make the throw to win. This is going to show me if he can, but I think Penn State's defense is good enough to keep us in the game. So I did all that rigmarole uh, to say, I'm not sure who wins. I, it might be Penn State, but I like the points.
0: Yeah, I uh I am going to pick Penn State just because uh the um and I think they uh, picked them not only to, you know, uh cover but also win the game. Uh, you know, as far as why because I think the defense is the difference. I think this is a Manny Diaz versus uh Brian Hartline, Ryan Day special and You know, I think they have the advantage across the board defensively uh, in this game. And so, uh, you know, Kyle McCord has been good, but again, he had to really fight it out against Notre Dame, which was another competent defense that they really faced. And so uh, Penn State's defense is even better. And they've got some particularly good guys in the back end uh, uh, with the, with, with, uh, uh, Ah, uh, the Kyle, is it K, Kyle King or uh, is or Kane? I'm sorry, Kaylin King. Yeah, is the one. Uh, the other, the other brother from uh, from Detroit. So yeah, I think um, uh, he's uh, Castex finest. Yes, exactly. Yes, and uh, yeah. So he's uh, he's he's a, a player that you know McCord's really going to have to watch out for. Manny Diaz comes up with a lot of different blitz schemes and and such. So. And uh, that's been a weakness for Ohio State as the offensive line. Uh, So yeah, I think I think it really favors Penn State the matchup, uh, and I expect them to go into Columbus and come out with the win, which will set up a very interesting game, presumably with Michigan. Oh my,
2: that would be massive, Andrew. Maybe I'm taking crazy pills, but I just I don't understand the narrative around Ohio State being so negative this year. I mean, they don't have C.J. Stroud, so it was always going to be a little bit of an awkward transition going from, obviously, who's someone who now we see him in the NFL is a total stud. I mean, that see any questions around C.J. Stroud now have seemingly been answered between the bowl game and him walking right into an NFL locker room and instantly being a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. I mean, that was mm-hmm. always going to be a tough transition. And, you know, you saw it the first few weeks there. Uh The Maryland game was closer than it probably should have been, but Maryland is not bad. I mean, they, they continue to put... Uh, good results on the field. They have a tough offense. Uh, USC comparing that to what they did to Notre, what happened to, to them when they went to Notre Dame, compared uh, to what happened to Ohio State when they played Notre Dame. I mean, now we know that, like comparing those two games, they blew USC off the field. Do I think USC is a top five team in the nation? No, no, I don't. But I think they're, you know, they're not bad. You see, so many teams in college football. Look at Michigan's schedule. Who's as good as USC that they've played? They got blown off the field at Notre Dame. Ohio State went in there and beat them. So I think that both these teams obviously have elite defenses. Uh, Ohio State is number three uh, in scoring defense. Penn State is number two, and then Michigan is number one in scoring defense, which uh, tells you a little bit about the top of the Big Ten this year. Uh, Penn State is number one in yards per game by a mile, but OSU is not far behind there either. So ultimately, Ohio State at home, they have Marvin Harrison Jr., who – NFL defenses wouldn't even know what to do with Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, Kalen King is about as good as, as you're going to hope to put against him. But you give me the best player and you give me a home field advantage uh, on a team who I think is, quite frankly, uh, a little bit underrated. So I'm, I'm taking the Buckeyes.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, it's just – I mean, when you when you talk about all that defense, it just makes me think close, right? Four and a half. Yeah. Four and a half is a lot. And th- I mean, this next game we're going to talk about is even bigger than that. Uh, no doubt,
2: yeah. So Tennessee – At Alabama, um, two teams who were were the juggernauts of the SEC last year outside of uh, Georgia. Uh, So uh, this one's been marked in the calendar ever since uh, Tennessee uh, beat Alabama last year, basically uh, the one mark on their – that was a a huge game, probably game of the year last year. So uh, nine-and-a-half-point underdogs at Alabama. Uh, Reiner, who you got in this one? I'm taking Alabama.
0: They seem to have studied the – or studied the ship since uh, the kind of the rough patch that they had uh, between the Texas and South Florida weeks, um, you know, I, and the Tennessee is just not as strong, nearly as strong as they were last year. Joe Milton, former Michigan quarterback, uh, has looked far worse than Hendon Hooker, uh, and that offense doesn't look nearly as explosive. And Alabama's defense is kind of under Kevin Steele's uh, leadership and has improved significantly from, from last year. Uh, They look like they're kind of getting back to maybe some of the level that they, they showed. And, you know, when, when they were really rocking and rolling during the uh, the late uh, part of last decade. So I think uh, that, you know, Alabama is not quite anywhere close to the dynasty level program. I mean, they're having to gut out wins but they've shown that they can, and I think that they'll be able to kind of put uh, Tennessee away in this game, especially coming off the result last year where they lost in Knoxville for the first time, and God knows when. I mean, it was a long time since they lost to Tennessee. I mean that. Uh, so I think that they'll be they'll be looking for some kind of retribution in that game, and uh, this is a big rivalry game. They call it, you know, Tennessee Hate Week in Tuscaloosa, and vice versa, and not you know, Knoxville. So nobody's going to be sleeping on, you know, either, you know, no team's going to be sleeping on the uh, other side uh, going into this game. So it's going to be very competitive, but I'm giving Alabama, I'm picking Alabama in this
1: one. Yeah. We know Reiner knows about this one best. And so I am going to follow his lead, although I'm not just tailing him. I had written this down separately. Um, it's, I mean, really it's, Jay, and he said it best. Uh, so Jalen Milrow turned the ball over twice to get he threw two picks against Texas and really very costly right and uh, then they did the whole quarterback carousel when Saban was really just trying to find someone who's going to protect the ball move the offense downfield and sort of go back to the the old good Alabama before they had the juggernaut quarterback just like the game manager quarterback but then he made it full circle got in Milroe's head and is like yo just protect the ball and be athletic and, just passing you're good you're good um and since then they've been good uh and so like reiner said nobody forgot what happened last year um tennessee is nothing like they were last year i mean josh heifel's offense is is very good but it's it was supposed to be it's like insane revolutionary thing like mike uh, mcdonald and the mike mcdaniel i always say that uh in the <laughs> with the dolphins i don't know that it is uh so i like alabama
2: this one's a tough one i think personally i mean joe milton not good from what we've seen. I mean, he's he's just showing it time and time again. He's just not not the quarterback that Hendon Hooker was, per se. 100 total yards passing last week against Texas A&M, but 232 yards on the ground uh, against the same team who held Alabama to 23 yards rushing. So uh, Tennessee mm-hmm. is number six in the nation, tw- 231 yards per game on the ground. Uh, both Alabama and Texas A&M have uh, pretty comparable run defenses, but, uh, but eight, Alabama's 18th and m is 19th. So it should be a similar type foe. Uh, and so I, I think that, uh, you know, I think Bama is still a little shakier uh, than, than they have been in years past. And and Milrow, who, I mean, talk about an electric runner. I mean, he almost looks like Lamar Jackson, like as a runner, when he when he gets open space. But still, when it comes down to it, you just watch him make a uh, mistake here, a mistake there. And, and if Tennessee can control the ball uh, through their rushing attack, I don't know if they win, but I'm going to take the nine and a half points uh, in that one for sure. So uh, that, it should be an entertaining uh, contrast of uh, of, of uh, the old school rivals and all that stuff. So uh, last game on the schedule here, uh, Utah at USC, uh, another uh, bounce back opportunity here for USC after getting uh, boat raced, quite frankly, against Notre Dame, uh, making Tony quite happy. The USC hater himself. So. Ah, uh, Tony. We'll let you gloat in this one here. Uh, six and a half point uh, favorites
1: against Utah. I'm, I think I can guess who uh, you
2: might take in this one.
1: No, I mean I d- I don't hate USC. I just dislike okay. you can ba- you I can d- I dislike bad <laughs> football, and half of their team is really not good. Um, and so it just I really wasn't surprised. That that was that was not at all surprised. I mean, I guess maybe how out of hand and the turnovers. The turnover thing really made it get out of hand. But the fact that it was a decided USC loss, um, I just feel that th- that was the first of many. Um, uh, Utah's, I mean, we've seen what Utah's defense has done earlier this uh, this year against uh, UCLA and, and and different games. You're giving me six and a half points. I mean, I know that on the road, at the Coliseum, bounce back game. And for USC, if you are USC, the, the argument is, look, we dropped the one we could drop, right? We're good. It was non-con. It's Notre Dame. Obviously, it's not ideal, but it's it's not setting us back at all in the league right now. Let's go do this. Um, but what they don't know is their defense is really bad. So, no. Um, Utah.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Utah as well just because, I mean, if you look at the USC struggles, I mean, they happen against a good, good defensive team. Utah is a good defensive team. So, I, I'm gonna go with them. I just think that uh fundamentally they're just a better team across the board than than USC. I'm really I've got gone on to I've gone over to Tony's side. I just um really down on the Trojans and Lincoln Riley's whole uh style, uh his his uh emphasis on just offense over everything and, and neglecting the defense. And I think it's kind of hurt the program. Uh and I think it hurts a lot of programs. I think Alabama's been, you know, uh going back to them and it's it's sort of them as they went more towards the offense, uh they lost a little bit of their defensive identity and I think uh that could definitely be the case with uh USC whereas Utah is very much about its defense, very much playing, you know, strong fundamental football, winning at the line of scrimmage. So, I'm giving them I'm going to pick Utah
2: in this game. If this game was at Utah, uh, it it wouldn't be much of a debate for me. Obviously, it would be a different spread, uh, but I think Utah would win straight up. Um, but it's not, and Utah is much tougher to beat uh, at Utah than it is on the road. So I, I have come around on, obviously, uh, Tony's uh usc are frauds and i think it was proven right on uh saturday against notre dame i mean i don't think that
1: there i'm so any- scared about it. now take it. we've just victory lapped this so hard that everything andrew's about to say is going to be true and USC is gonna <laughs> boat race utah so sorry Thanks. go ahead andrew
2: spoiler alert spoiler alert uh I, I i still don't think there are four or five lost team yet i have not come around on that idea yet and uh I thought last week that Notre Dame was going to bounce back after a, you know, basically life getting sucked out of them loss against uh, Louisville. Just everything went wrong. The thing that gives me courage uh, uh, is encouraging about USC was that their best player was why they lost that game. Caleb Williams was terrible. He's not terrible very often. He was terrible in that game. Uh, I don't think he'll be terrible again against uh, Utah's top ranked rushing defense which that's not really what USC does they're not a run first team so i don't know if that is some neutralizing factor against USC uh Utah has the 109th ranked scoring offense they scored 21.7 points per game yeah, but Utah, I, Utah
0: Utah has 22 sacks this year the 7th in the country they they you know that they Notre Dame created some issues with the pressure that they got that offensive line looked pretty bad against uh Notre Dame i think yeah uh, it's 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 going to be uh
1: tough sledding for Caleb Williams again. And Utah's already lost to Oregon state. And after this at USC, they got to go to, or they have to play Oregon. Like they, yeah, they have a brutal schedule. So, But so they, so they got to win it right now.
2: I, I don't think this Utah team is as good as uh, some as the Utah team last year, for example, I think you're right. They, they I mean, 21 to seven, we're, we're kind of building in past Utah teams to, Oh, they're ground and pound. And you don't want to mess with Utah. Like, they're scoring 21.7 points per game. I mean, you just can't win uh, that many games doing that. And, you know, like you said, Reiner, if their defensive line ends up overpowering uh, Caleb Williams and their their offensive line, I won't be shocked. Uh, but at least he can run a little bit and and, and escape some of that pressure. And, and he can't be worse than he was last week. So uh, and I don't think Utah is as good as Notre Dame, especially not on the road. So I'm going with USC in this one.
1: All right, that's fair enough. Uh, I mean, that, I think that was as all over the board uh, as we've been. Um, no unanimous uh, selections on any of these games, um, which is good. Uh,
2: and real quick, Tony, real quick, yo, do, do you know me. how you said? You know how you said? Sometimes you look at you look at a line, and you can feel that Vegas wants you to bet on them. Everybody and their brother is going to look at that USC Utah game after last week's game, and be like. I'm giving up six and a half points if I bet on USC. I did, I did, like I running. did
1: have a little of that. I did have a little of
2: everyone's that. Everyone's like, easy money. Utah six and a half. I'm getting six and a half points. This has uh, a seven uh, to ten point win written all over
1: But but is Utah a Joe Public team? I don't think they are. I, I, I thought think, that I at people, first, well, but after here the it's Bowl the other and... way. Here it's it's the other way. I I, I went full circle. And what you're <laughs> saying is, oh, Caleb Williams at at home and I don't even have to cover a full uh, just a touchdown? Oh, easy. Easy. Caleb, I, I mean, know. they got that. I don't know. <laughs> and this is why, why want, we and but. this is why we have no idea. And you you know this is gonna be, I mean it's going to be like a, it's going to be a tie. It's going to be an overtime. Right. And then it's just going to be, and then Utah's going to USC is going to score first. It's like, are they going to get the two or not? Or it'll, it'll be right on the line as, as it often is. Um, and we'll be texting about it the whole way. So, all right, good work as, as always friends. Um, and then after this we do next week will be a one episode week. It is our bye week uh, Reiner, I hope uh, hope you have big plans. I hear my dog howling downstairs. That's my sign to, to get out of here. Uh, as always, thanks to Editor-in-Chief Nicole Avery-Nichols, uh, Executive Editor Anjanette Delgado, Sports Editor Kirkland Crawford, Audio Engineer Robin Chan, and the man you just heard from, Sports Editor and Show Producer Andrew Burkle. Uh, everybody have a good Michigan-Michigan State game, a good rivalry game. Uh, be safe. Uh, if you're going to the game, then uh, have fun. We'll talk to you next week. This is Hale
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.